Section twenty six of A Woman's Journey Round the World. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Woman's Journey Round the World by Ida Laura Pfeiffer. Chapter fifteen Journey from Delhi to Bombay Continued. Part one travelling on indian camels my meeting with the burden family the different class of women among the native population in india Ujjain, captain hamilton introduction at court manufacture of ice the rock temples of ajanta a tiger hunt the rock temples of elora the fortress of daulatabad 14th february the camels were ordered at five o'clock in the morning but it was not until towards noon that they came each with a driver when they saw my portmanteau twenty-five pounds in weight they were quite puzzled to know what to do with it it was useless my explaining to them how the luggage is carried in egypt and that i had been accustomed to carry very little with me on my own animal they were used to a different plan and would not depart from it travelling on camels is always unpleasant and troublesome the jolting motion of the animal produces in many people the same ill effects as the rocking of a ship on the sea but in india it is almost unbearable on account of the inconvenience of the arrangements each animal has a driver who sits in the front and takes the best place the traveller has only little space left for him on the hinder part of the animal dr roland advised me at once to put up with the inconvenience as well as i could he told me i should fall in with captain burden in the next day or two and it would be easy to obtain a more convenient conveyance from him i followed his advice allowed my luggage to be carried and patiently mounted my camel we passed through extensive plains which were not most remarkable for some considerable flax plantations and came to a beautiful lake near to which lay a very pretty palace towards evening we reached a little village of moasa where we stayed for the night in those countries which are governed by native princes there are neither roads nor arrangements for travelling although in every village and town there are people appointed whose business is to direct travellers on their way and carry their luggage for which they are paid a small fee those travellers who have a guard from the king or amul governor or a chepras with them do not pay anything for this attendance others give them a small trifle for their services according as the distance is greater or less when i reached moasa everyone hastened to offer me their services for i travelled with the king's people and in this part of the country a european woman is a rarity they brought me wood milk and eggs my table was always rather frugally furnished at the best i had rice boiled in milk or some eggs but generally only rice with water and salt a leathern vessel of water a little saucepan for boiling in a handful of salt and some rice or bread were all that i took with me fifteenth february late in the evening i reached norankura a small place surrounded by low mountains i found here some tents belonging to captain burden a maid and a servant terribly fatigued i entered one of these tents directly in order to rest myself scarcely had i taken possession of the divan then the maid came into the tent and without any observation commenced kneading me about with her hands i would have stopped her but she explained to me that when a person is fatigued 
it was very refreshing for quarter of an hour she pressed my body from head to foot vigorously and it certainly produced a good effect i found myself much relieved and strengthened this custom of pressing and kneading is very common in india as well as in all oriental countries especially after the bath and the europeans also willingly allow themselves to be operated on the maid informed me partly by signs partly by words that i had been expected since noon that a palanquin stood ready for me and that i could sleep as well in it as in the tent i was rejoiced at this and again started my journey at eleven o'clock at night the country was indeed as i knew infested with tigers but as several torch-bearers accompanied us and the tigers were sworn enemies of light i could composedly continue my uninterrupted sleep about three o'clock in the morning i was set down again in a tent which was prepared for my reception and furnished with every convenience sixteenth february this morning i made up the acquaintance of the amiable family of burdens they have seven children whom they educate chiefly themselves they live very pleasantly and comfortably although they are wholly thrown on their own resources for amusement as there are with the exception of dr roland no europeans in kota it was only very rarely that they are visited by officers who may be passing through and i was the first european female mrs burden had seen for four years i had passed the most delightful day in this family circle i was not a little astonished to find here all the conveniences of a well-regulated house and i must take this opportunity of describing in a few words the mode of travelling adopted by english officers and the officials in india in the first place they have tents which are so large that they contain two or three rooms one which i saw was worth more than eight hundred rupees eighty pounds they take with them corresponding furniture from a footstool to the most elegant divan in fact nearly the whole of the house and the cooking utensils they had also a multitude of servants every one of them has his particular occupation which he understands exceedingly well the travellers after passing the night in their beds about three o'clock in the morning either lie or sit in easy palanquins or mount on horseback and after four or five hours ride dismount and partake of a hot breakfast under tents they have every household accommodation carry on their ordinary occupations take their meals at their usual hours and are in fact entirely at home the cook always proceeds on his journey at night as soon as the tents are vacated they are taken down quickly removed and as quickly re-erected there is no scarcity of hands or of beasts of burden in the most cultivated countries of europe people do not travel with so much luxury and ease as in india in the evening i was obliged to take my departure again captain burden very kindly offered me the use of his palanquin and the necessary bearers as far as indoors but i pitied the people too much and declared that i did not find travelling on camels unpleasant that in fact on the account of the open view that mode was to be preferred to palanquins however on account of my little portmanteau i took a third camel i left the sepoys behind here this evening we went eight miles toward the little town of patan seventeenth february it was not till this morning that i saw patan was situated on a romantic chain of hills and possesses several remarkably handsome temples in the open halls belonging to which are placed sculptures of stone figures the size of life the arabesques and figures on the pillars 
were sharply executed in relief in the valleys which we passed through there was a large quantity of basaltic rock and most beautifully crystallized quartz towards evening we reached bashbashar a miserable little town eighteenth february rumsha is somewhat larger and better i was obliged to put up my bed in the middle of the bazaar under an open veranda upon this road there was no caravanseries half of the inhabitants of the town gathered round me and watched all my motions and doings with the greatest attention i afforded them an opportunity of studying the appearance of an angry european female as i was very much displeased with these people and in spite of my slight knowledge of the language scolded them heartily they allowed the camels to go so lazily that although we had travelled since early in the morning till late in the evening we had not gone more than twenty or twenty-two miles not faster than an ox-wagon would have gone i made them understand that this negligence must not happen again i must now take occasion to contradict those persons who affirm that the camel can travel on the average eighty miles a day and that even when they go slowly their steps are very long i examine every circumstance very accurately and then form an opinion from my own experience without allowing myself to be misled by what has been written about it before commencing a journey i observe not only the principal distances but also those between the individual places arrange a plan of my journey with the help of my friends who are acquainted with the subject and by this means have the advantage over my driver who cannot persuade me that we have gone forty or sixty miles when we have not gone more than half this distance moreover i was able while travelling from delhi to kota by the ox-wagon to observe several camel equipages which i fell in with every evening at the same night station it is true that i had the most excellent oxen and that the camels were ordinary but in this journey with good camels i did not go more than thirty or almost thirty-two miles in the day and travelled from four o'clock in the morning until six in the evening without any other stoppage than two hours at noon a camel which is able to travel eighty miles in a day is an exception to the general rule and would scarcely perform such a feat the second or third time nineteenth february ranira is an unimportant place i was offered a cow stall to sleep in it was indeed kept very clean but i preferred sleeping in the open air till a late hour of the night this town was very lively processions of men a number of women and children followed by the noise of the tam-tam which they accompanied with a wild howling song and proceeded to some tree under which an image of an idol was set up we had on this day to cross several ranges of low hills the uncultivated ground was everywhere scorched up by the sun nevertheless the plantation of poppies flax corn and cotton etc grew very luxuriantly water dikes were let into the fields on every side and peasants with their yokes of oxen were engaged in bringing water from the wells and streams i did not see any women at work in my numerous journeys i had an opportunity of observing that a lot of the poorer classes of women in india in the east and among the coloured people generally was not so hard as it is believed to be in the towns where europeans reside for example their linen is washed and prepared by men it is very seldom that it is necessary for women to take part in outdoor labour they carry wood water or any other heavy burdens only in their own houses at harvest time indeed the women are seen in the fields but there also they do only the lighter kind of work 
if the carriages with horses or oxen are seen the women and children are always seated upon them and the men walk by the side often laden with bundles when there are no beasts of burden with the party the men carry the children and the baggage i also never saw a man ill-use his wife or child i heartily wish that the women of poorer classes in my own country were treated with only half the consideration which i saw in all other parts of the world twentieth february Ujjain on the sipa one of the oldest and best built towns of india is the capital of the kingdom of scindia with a population of more than hundred thousand souls the architecture of this town is quite peculiar the front walls of the houses only one story high are constructed of wood and furnished with the large regular window openings in the upper part which are securely closed by beams instead of glass in the interior the apartments are built very lofty and airy they have the full height from the level of the ground to the roof without the interruption of an intermediate arch the outer walls and the beams of the houses are painted with dark brown oil colour which gave to the town an indescribably dusky appearance two houses were remarkable for their size and the uncommonly fine execution of the wood carvings they contained two stories and were tastefully ornamented with galleries pillars frizzes niches etc as far as i could learn from the answers i received to my questions and the numerous servants and soldiers walking about before them they were the palaces of the amul and the queen widow of the madaji sindhya we passed through the entire town the streets were broad the bazaars were extensive and so overcrowded with them that we were frequently compelled to stop it happened to be a large market upon such occasions in india as well as at great festivals and meetings of people i never once saw any one intoxicated although there was no lack of intoxicating drinks the men here are temperate and restrain themselves yet without forming into societies outside the town i found an open veranda in which i took up my quarters for the night i was here a witness to a deplorable scene a consequence of an erroneous religious belief of the otherwise amiable hindus not far from the veranda lay a fakir outstretched upon the earth without any signs of life many of the passers-by stopped looked at him and then went on their way no one spoke to or helped him the poor man had sunk exhausted on the spot and was no longer capable of saying to what caste he belonged to i took heart approached him and raised the headcloth which had fallen over a part of his face two glassy eyes stared at me i felt the body it was stiff and cold my help came too late the next morning the corpse still lay in the same place i was informed that they waited to see if any relations would come to carry it away if not it would be removed by the pariahs twenty first february in the afternoon i reached hindor the capital of the kingdom of holkar as i approached the dwelling of the europeans i found them just about to ride out the equipage of the resident mr hamilton to whom i had letters was distinguishable from the others by its greater splendour four beautiful horses were harnessed to an open landau and four servants in oriental liveries ran by the side of the carriage the gentlemen had scarcely perceived my approach when they stopped and sent a servant towards me they perhaps wished to know what chance had thrown a solitary european female 
into this remote country my servant who already had the letter to mr hamilton in his hand hastened to him directly and gave it to him mr hamilton read it hastily though alighted from his carriage immediately came and received me very cordially my shabby clothes faded by the sun were of no account to him and he did not treat me with less respect because i came without much baggage and without a train of attendants he conducted me himself to the bungalow set apart for strangers offered me several rooms and remained until he saw that the servants had properly provided all conveniences after he had given me a servant for my own exclusive use and had ordered a guard before the bungalow in which i was about to live alone he took his departure and promised to send for me to dinner in an hour a few hundred paces distance from the bungalow is the palace of the resident it is a building of very great beauty constructed of large square stones in a pure italian style of architecture broad flights of steps led into the halls which are peculiarly remarkable for their magnitude and beautifully arched roofs the latter being finer than any that i had yet seen the saloons rooms and internal arrangements corresponded to the high expectations which the sight of the outside raised it was sunday and i had the pleasure of finding the whole european society of Hindo assembled at the house of the resident it consisted of three families my astonishment at the magnificence surrounding me at the luxuries of the table was yet more increased when a complete well-trained band of musicians commenced playing fine overtures and some familiar german melodies after dinner mr hamilton introduced the chaplain to me a tyrolist named nacher this active man had established his chapel in the space of three years the congregation consisting chiefly of young natives i was invited to be present on the following morning at the first operation performed here by a european surgeon on a patient under the influence of ether a large tumour was to be extracted from the neck of a native unfortunately the inhalation did not turn out as was expected the patient came to again after the first incision and began shrieking fearfully i hastily left the room for i pitied the poor creature too much to bear his cries the operation indeed was successful but the man suffered considerable pain during breakfast mr hamilton proposed that i should exchange my apartment in the bungalow for a similar one in his palace because the going backwards and forwards at each meal-time was very fatiguing he placed at my disposal the room of his wife who was deceased and appointed me a female servant after tiffin lunch i was to see the town and be presented at court i employed the intermediate time in visiting mr and mrs naher the latter who was also german was moved even to tears when she saw me for fifteen years she had not spoken with a fellow-countrywoman the town of Indore contains nearly twenty five thousand inhabitants it is not fortified the houses are built in the same manner as those in ujjain the royal palace stands in the centre of the town and forms a quadrangle the middle of the front rises in the form of a pyramid to the height of six stories a remarkably lofty and very handsome gateway flanked on both sides by round and somewhat projecting towers lead into the courtyard the exterior of the palace is completely covered with frescoes for the most part representing elephants and horses and from a distance they represent a good appearance the interior is separated into several courts in the first court on the ground floor is situated a saloon 
surrounded by the two rows of wooden pillars the darwar ministerial council is held here in the first story of the same building a fine open salon is appropriated to the use of some sacred oxen opposite this cattle stall is the reception room dark stairs which require to be lighted in broad daylight lead to the royal apartments the stairs are said to be equally dark in almost all the indian palaces they believe it is a security against enemies or at least that it makes their entrance more difficult in the reception salon sat the queen jeswantrao holkar an aged childless widow at her side her adopted son prince hairao holkar a youth of fourteen years with very good-natured features and expressive eyes seats consisting of questions were placed for us by either side the young prince spoke broken english and the questions which he put to me proved him to be well acquainted with geography ismundush a native was represented as a man of intelligence and learning i could not find an opportunity after the audience of complimenting him upon the progress which the prince had made the dress of the queen and the prince consisted of white dacca muslin the prince had several precious stones and pearls upon his turban breast and arms the queen was not veiled although mr hamilton was present all the apartments and passages were crowded with servants who without the slightest ceremony came into the audience hall that they might observe us more closely we sat in a complete crowd we were offered sweetmeats and fruits sprinkled with rose water and some attar of roses was put upon our handkerchiefs after some time areca nuts and betel leaves were brought on the silver plates which the queen herself handed to us this is a sign that the audience is at an end and visitors cannot leave until it is made before we got up to go large wreaths of jasmine were hung around our necks and small ones round our wrists fruits and sweetmeats were also sent home to us the queen had given the mundush directions to conduct us round the whole of the palace it was not very large and the rooms with the exception of the reception saloon are very simple and almost without furniture in each cushions covered with white muslin lie upon the floor as we stood upon the terrace of the house we saw the prince ride out two servants led his horse and a number of attendants surrounded him several officers accompanied him upon elephants and mounted soldiers closed the procession the latter wore wide white trousers short blue jackets and handsome brown caps they looked very well the people raised a low murmur when they saw the prince as an indication of their pleasure the mundish was good enough to show me the mode adopted for making eyes the proper time for this is during the months of december and january although even in the month of february the nights and especially the early hours of the morning before sunrise are so cold that small quantities of water are covered with thin sheets of ice for this purpose either shallow pits are dug in earth rich in saltpetre and small shallow dishes of burnt porous clay are filled with water and placed in these pits or when the soil does not contain any saltpetre the highest terraces on the houses are covered with straw and little dishes of water are placed up there the thin crusts of ice thus obtained are broken into small pieces a little water is poured over them and the whole is put into the ice houses which are also lined with straw this mode of obtaining ice is already practised in benares mr hamilton was obliging us to make arrangements for the continuance of my journey i could have had the royal camels again but preferred a car with the oxen 
as the loss of time was inconsiderable and the trouble far less mr hamilton himself made the contract with the driver pointed out the stations at which we should stop between this and aurangabad two hundred and thirty miles gave me an excellent servant and a sepoy furnished me with letters and even asked me if i had sufficient money this excellent man did all this with so much amiability that in fact i scarcely knew whether the kindness or the way in which they were offered were most to be admired and not only in indo but everywhere else that he was known i heard his name always mentioned with the most profound respect End of section 26 Read by Lambda